Our text for this morning comes from Romans chapter 1. It's the text that we heard read, that Meredith read for us just moments ago. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. A message uh, titled, Gospel Centered. In just a couple of days, uh, tens of millions more Americans will exercise their freedom in, in casting their votes for government leaders of the United States of America. And if you have not yet voted, let me encourage you, please, please exercise your freedom uh, and fulfill your responsibility as a citizen of this nation that influences this culture and nation by what you do at the ballot box. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, uh, but um, I, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think there are as many campaign signs uh, for presidential candidates uh, in folks' yards this year, at least not around here as there were in, in past elections. I, I could be off, but I have not noticed quite as many. And, and oftentimes the ones that I do notice are not down by the curb, but they're sort of tucked up against uh, the house. And, and I've got a theory about that. Um, I, I don't think that fewer folks are necessarily voting, um, but I think fewer people are really excited about the particular candidate they're voting for. I believe many people, including many believers, many Christians, are a bit ashamed of the options. And certainly there are exceptions, many exceptions. Certainly we know that there are some that are shouting from the rooftops who they're voting for and why it would be foolish to vote for another candidate and, uh, and, 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 and saying that they're going to unfriend you if you do so. But I'm convinced that perhaps there are more Americans wrestling in the closet on this one struggling internally and remaining rather quiet externally. In other words, I think there are a lot of folks voting for Trump uh, that have some real issues with Trump. And I think there perhaps are a lot of folks voting for Biden that have some real issues with Biden. As followers of Jesus, I trust that we will prayerfully consider the issues prayerfully consider the the candidates and the party platforms and vote in ways that we believe would honor the name of Jesus Christ. After all, that is our highest calling, to glorify God. We as a church, Meadowbrook Baptist Church, exist to glorify God by knowing God through biblical worship by growing together as disciples of Christ and by going throughout the world with the gospel of Christ. That's our church's mission statement. That's, that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're gathered this morning. We want to know God. We want to grow as his people and we want to go from this place proclaiming his gospel. We, we want to be gospel-centered. And believe it or not, that's what Paul wanted to do too. He traveled extensively in the first century world, sharing Jesus and planting churches throughout much of the eastern part of the Roman Empire. But Paul had not yet been to Rome to preach the gospel. In fact, he writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 15, he says, I am so eager to preach the gospel in Rome. In other words, here's a cause, Paul says, here's, here's a cause, a mission, a person of whom I am not ashamed In the least bit, not any whatsoever. Friends, those who know and believe the gospel should want to share the gospel. They should want to to proclaim the gospel. It's good news. And so if you don't know the gospel, 
May you hear it today. If you don't believe the gospel, may you believe it today. May you trust Christ today. If you don't long to share the name of Jesus, may you leave, may each of us leave this place longing to share the name of Jesus, the gospel of grace today. We're in a series, a five-week series. We're in week two of a five-week series on healthy church. And healthy churches know and share the gospel of Jesus. The second mark of a healthy church. Healthy churches know and share the gospel of Jesus. Every week we, we gather for corporate worship and at the center of our gatherings are the word. Ought to be the word. We, we open God's word and we strive to preach and practice sound doctrine. And at the center of sound doctrine is the message that we call the gospel. And because the gospel is at the center of sound biblical doctrine, it ought to be at the center of all our church gatherings, of all our church activities and ministries and budgets and programs. So a few days ago this past week, I had the the great and high privilege of taking out an old dishwasher and putting in a new one. Anybody gone down that road before? It's pretty exciting. And in the process, I took the counsel of the folks that sold us the dishwasher and got the uh, little cord and plug kit to put the old dish, to put the new dishwasher into the wash. Said, we'll go ahead and replace that cord, no big deal. So the old dishwasher was already loaded up with dirty dishes and likely on its last leg. But I thought, you know what? We'll go ahead and wash them one final time so they don't have to unload these dirty dishes and then put them in the new. So while it's washing in order to conserve time, uh, just bring you into the way I'm sort of thinking here. I'm going to go ahead and hardwire up the new wire and cord so that I can pull it right out and plug the next one right into the receptacle in the wall. And so begin that process, get it all uh, spliced up, and then the old washer finishes up, shut the power off, begin to take it out. And you know what? There's not a receptacle in that wall. So I began to look into that and realize that that's only the case in some houses, that many houses, it's hardwired right into the house, right into the, the, the breaker box. So then begin that process all over again and use the old cord to hardwire the new right into the box. And you know what, church? May the gospel be hardwired into all that we do. May, that it, may it be front and center in all that we do as followers of Jesus Christ and as a people who are part of a local church, Meadowbrook Baptist Church, may it be all, may it be front and center in all that we do. In other words, because the Bible is gospel-centered, so should we be. It's the heart of our faith. And so every week we, we Christians gather to hear the message of the gospel. We, we gather to hear the gospel rehearsed once again. To hear and respond to the good news of what our God has done. He has done this. The gospel demonstrates God's power. Gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace, it demonstrates God's power. It is what He has done and what He is doing for sinners. The gospel is good news for the broken. It's news of reconciliation from those separated from God. It's news of eternal life, news of forgiveness of sins. It's, it's not news of man's power. It's not about me and my ability or my achievement. The gospel demonstrates God's power. This is why Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God 
that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, the gospel is not self-help material. It's not pull yourself up by the bootstrap stuff. It's not a message of you can do it. Try harder. Keep going. Do better. Be religious. There's plenty of that out there. But that's not what we need. If that's the message of the church, then it's a sick church. We need a savior. We need someone to deliver us. We need someone to to rescue us. We need one who can do for us what we cannot do on our own. We need one who can bridge the chasm between the holy God and our sinful hearts. And only God himself can do this. Only God can save us from our sin. Only God can make the dead in sin alive in Jesus Christ. God's power accomplishes this and incredibly he chooses to do so by the working of his spirit the holy spirit through the proclamation of his gospel god works as his people share his gospel health healthy churches know and share the gospel the gospel that demonstrates god's power and the gospel that reveals god's grace the gospel reveals god's grace it demonstrates god's power and it reveals god's grace do you know about grace. Do you know about this amazing grace of which we've just sung? That unearned, undeserved gift that is freely given. Paul calls it here salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. This is Paul's way of saying salvation is available For all, everyone who believes, Jews and Gentiles, chronologically speaking, the Jews heard it first. They held a first and important place in its disclosure, but it's for all. Salvation to everyone who believes. Salvation from what? From God's judgment for our sin. From his wrath. As a result of our rebellion. Salvation from separation with Him. We we are not right with Him. We live in rebellion against Him. Living for our own self-glory and pleasure rather than for His. And on our own we are polluted by sin. The Bible is clear about this. We're filthy in His sight. Unable to enter His presence and deserving of His just judgment. Friends, there's nothing we can do to fix this. We're in a predicament that we cannot overcome. No number of good deeds Our religious efforts can eradicate the sin disease. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. But praise God, He has done it for us. This is what He has done for us. By grace you have been saved, Paul writes. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Couldn't be any more clear than that. Not by works so that no one can boast. Gospel reveals God's grace. A message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Healthy churches know and share this gospel of grace, for it demonstrates God's power, it reveals God's grace, and the gospel recounts God's righteousness. The gospel recounts God's righteousness. Verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
Righteousness is a bit of a churchy word, probably not one that you and I use in everyday normal conversation. Righteousness is, is closely related to the idea of justice. It's doing what is right. It's conforming to the standard. It can refer to a moral quality, a, a way of living rightly, a, a way of living in the, the right way, or it can refer to a legal status, the, the position of being in the right. It is true to say God is righteous because God always does right. God always does right. God is the judge of the whole world and his judgment is right. God makes the moral standard and he operates in ways consistent with the standard. God does not show partiality and he accepts no bribes. He always acts in ways consistent with his character and his nature. Paul says in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed. How so? How is the righteousness, the the always doing right of God revealed in the gospel? Well, the gospel is about Jesus. We know this from the scriptures. We know it even from Romans chapter 1. The gospel is about Jesus, the Son of God and the promised descendant of King David. As God in the flesh, then Jesus provides a visible demonstration of God's righteousness. A, A picture An example of God's righteousness. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God because Jesus is the only human to ever live righteously and to always be in right relationship with God. In other words, even though Jesus was fully human, hungry and thirsty and hurting and laughing and learning and growing and tempted in every way, just as we are, he always acted in ways consistent with the character and the nature of God. The righteousness from God is the righteousness of Jesus. But there's more to it. That's not the end of it. We we too act in ways inconsistent with our nature. Or not inconsistent, maybe from time to time, but usually consistent with our nature. But our nature has been corrupted. It's been polluted by sin. We do not possess true righteousness. In fact, that's the point that Paul then unpacks in the next couple of Chapters leading to the conclusion in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None are righteous. There's no one righteous, he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No one righteous, not even one. This is not good news. This is not gospel news. This is, this is bad news. Is if the righteousness from God is simply the life of Jesus Christ without any solution for sinners like you and I to acquire the righteousness that we need, then it's not good news. Paul says it's good news. It's news that brings salvation. You see, church, in Jesus, God recounts righteousness for all to see. And in Jesus, God reveals a righteousness that all may have. A righteousness for the unrighteous. A right status and a right standing for sinners like you and me. A righteousness that is received by faith in Jesus. God justifies sinners who turn to Jesus in faith. God justifies sinners who who turn to Jesus in faith. Yesterday, many folks celebrated and participated in Halloween. But there's another holiday that marks October 31st, and that's Reformation Day. Day that commemorates Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses 
to the church door in 1517. A day that celebrates the truth that we're reading about and hearing and proclaiming and responding to in Romans chapter 1. In fact, Romans chapter 1 verse 17 was the central text for Martin Luther's conversion to faith in Christ. Justification by faith alone, not by works. A righteousness that is by faith from, from first to last. God justifies sinners who turn to Jesus in faith. He declares sinners righteous by giving them the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Paul wants his readers to know this good news. He wants all to hear this good news. He wants us to know that God offers the righteousness of Jesus freely to those who believe in him. That's the righteousness of God revealed in the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see, God applies the right status and standing of Jesus, the Son, the perfect one to the lives of sinners who put their faith in him theologians call this imputation imputed righteousness credited to our account that's good news paul goes on to unpack this a bit further in romans chapter 3 he says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See, the gospel message declares that God gives the righteousness of Jesus to sinners in need of reconciliation. James Montgomery Boyce puts it like this. He says, it's like putting the infinite moral capital of the Lord Jesus Christ in our empty bank account. It is having the riches of heaven at our disposal. Friends, this is no small news. This is no casual story. This is news, no news of which we ought to be ashamed. This is news of right standing with God, news of forgiveness of sins, of eternal life, of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. The Christ who proclaimed, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the good news. Have you believed the good news? Have you believed the good news? What are you waiting for? If not, what are you waiting for today? Have you responded to the gospel with faith in Jesus Christ? Faith is believing the gospel of Jesus to be true. Faith is trusting in the person of Jesus to save. And faith is committing your life to follow him. Do you believe this message to be true? Do you trust in Jesus as Lord? Do you want to follow him? Friend, turn and trust Him today. Follow Christ and be saved. Be saved today, here and now. Paul says he's not ashamed of this gospel because it's good news. He's not ashamed of this gospel. Let's not be ashamed of it either. Paul says that he's going to keep on proclaiming this gospel. Let's proclaim it as 
Well, for it is news of salvation for sinners who simply turn to Jesus in faith. If you turned to Jesus in faith, who do you know who needs to turn to Jesus in faith? Who needs to hear this gospel? This gospel is for you, church. For you, Meadowbrook. So let's know it. Let's believe it. Let's live it and let's share it. For healthy churches, know and share the gospel of Jesus. And in just a few minutes this morning, we have an opportunity to, to see a picture of the gospel once again. To celebrate this good news by remembering what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. To remember that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And we'll do that through participating in the Lord's Supper or communion, celebrating a right relationship with God through Jesus and a right relationship horizontally with one another as followers of, of Jesus, anticipating the return of Jesus, looking up, seeing Jesus even now highly exalted on the throne of heaven who will one day return and gather his people to be with him from every corner of, of the earth. We remember, we reflect, and we celebrate. And so even now as we prepare to do just that. Let me encourage you to reflect on the gospel. Let me encourage you to express your faith in Jesus right where you are. Through a song in just a moment, through a prayer in your heart, to express your faith in the Lord, to express your trust in Him, to turn to Him, to sing His praises. And so let's do that even now as we prepare to come to the table. Father, lead us now. Lead us now as we hear the truths of this gospel through song. Lord, as we participate in worshiping you, Lord, we pray that your spirit would lead us now, Lord, to to confess our sins to you, to express trust in you. Lord, guide us now as we seek to be faithful. Lead us, Lord, prepare us. Lead us to the table with gratitude for what you have done, what you have accomplished on our behalf. Father, lead us to celebrate this gospel. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.